This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. BFM 89.9, it is 7.06 Monday, the 19th of December, and you're listening to The Morning Run with Chong Jensen, Philip C, and I'm Wong Shaoling. And I realised I never introduced you earlier at eight, at 6.15 in the morning. I've kind of forgotten you boys for the moment. I was so excited about telling everyone about the World Cup World Cup results. Only interested in Kylian Mbappé and Lionel Messi, not interested in the two co-anchors. I'm know. interested in how much salary they make. How rich are they? <laughs> How much do they get from uh, all the wonderful sponsorship? But nonetheless, let's not get distracted because we have a very busy show. But let's recap how global markets closed yesterday. All U.S. markets were down as recession fears grew. The Dow was down 0.9%, S&P 500 down 1.1%, the Nasdaq was down 1%, and in Asian markets, the Nikkei was down 1.9%, the Hang Seng was up 0.4%, the Shanghai Composite was down 0.02%, the Singapore Straits Times Index was down 1.01%, and the FBEM KLCI was up 0.8%. So as usual, when everybody's down, we're just up, right? We're like the odd egg, right? (laughs) Always, always the odd egg in the dozen. But for analysis on where markets are heading, we speak to Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Jevons Global. Good morning, Kingsley. Now, with US stocks indices closing in the red for the second straight week, is the prospect of a year-end Santa rally fizzling out? Oh, I guess Santa came in early this year with that rally off the October lows, but, uh, you know, maybe the naughty nice lists came in bad. Certainly, uh, Elon Musk seems to have found himself on the perma-naughty list with Tesla off 50% since September. And the wider S&P 500, it did make a brave run from 3,600 points in mid-October, and it topped out just shy of 4,100, now seems to be moving back down through the 3,900 level to retest the October lows. So I, I think the Santa rally's over for now. Uh, top to bottom, I, I think a retreat of 20 to 30% on the S&P 500 is about fair for this bear market. Obviously, technology stocks will do worse than that because they're more affected by the higher interest rates. Um, and so I think what's happening now is the market's anticipating uh, a weaker February 2023 reporting season. Uh, there is earnings downgrades that will likely come through. And you know what this market is doing is fairly typical of markets uh, in this sort of condition where everybody kind of knows that there's a likely recession. And so the market is moving ahead of the news. Uh, and typically, you know, it's it's buying ahead of anticipated good news and then selling on the fact and selling ahead of anticipated bad news and buying on the fact. So we think that's exactly what will happen now. We'll sell off going into February. Uh, then we'll probably get a lot of bad earnings reports from companies and a fairly gloomy corporate outlook because by then the U.S. is is almost certainly in Uh, What is the beginnings we think of a shallow but probably fairly long recession, uh, at least a growth recession. And then, you know, once we see peak corporate gloom, the market will probably do the uh, peculiar thing and start buying again. So that's what we're positioned for. Uh, You know, and as far as the Fed's concerned, I mean, Chairman Powell really is the Grinch for Christmas in terms of telling everybody that his job actually is to stop inflation getting out of control. And he seems committed to doing that. Uh, On the bright side, I guess, Looks like bond investors are going to put the worst ever year behind them. And we actually are quite bullish on bonds for the first quarter of next year. We think that's probably the place to be uh, whilst these equity markets normalise. Okay, Kingsley, I want to build on that point in terms of where to hide while markets go through this bearish phase. You said it's time for bonds to shine. Is there any particular type of uh, credit that you're looking at? I think at this point, the, the smart bet is to 
stick to US Treasuries, particularly the longer duration. That's where we think the longest, the biggest bang for buck will come. It does seem risky to buy 10-year-plus duration bonds, uh, but in this situation, that's probably the place to be. So we'd be buying ETFs like TLT and TLH in the United States. Uh, the first one is the longer duration, 20-plus year bonds, and I think that's a good place to be. Wouldn't put all your capital there, but on the credit side, uh, you know, there's a number of ETFs out there that uh, involve higher yield credit. We'd avoid um, the junk bond sector, so-called, uh, and we'd focus more on the quality credits and pick sectors, uh, you know, where you're likely to get a return of capital, even though credit spreads might uh, widen a little bit. So that'd be things like energy and financials at this time. I think you'd avoid anything tech-related. And Kingsley, on the flip side, in Southeast Asia, things seem to be picking up. Retail spending is strong, with regional central banks more dovish than their G7 counterparts. Is this where the smart money will be going into 2023? If so, what kind of companies can you see investors putting their funds into? Yeah, I certainly think, certainly think that the smart money is starting to, to look at Southeast Asia and also developed Asia, particularly markets like Japan, and that's because the risk reward in global markets is definitely shifting, um, you know, away from the U.S. You know, we've obviously had a, a very strong period from 2011 through 2021 uh, where the U.S. markets really dominated along with U.S. dollar assets. And that's taken the U.S. market in aggregate uh, to, you know, some pretty extreme highs as a share of global market capitalization. What normally happens at a time like now when we're going into a U.S. slowdown is as soon as those monetary conditions start to loosen in the US, and we think that will happen uh, probably in the first, second quarter of next year, uh, then you'll see emerging markets start to find buyers. And to some extent, this market globally has already anticipated that. You saw the big rally in Hong Kong uh, off the lows, maybe a little bit overbought now, but certainly you know, on this anticipated period of weakness in the US markets in you know, the first quarter of next year, we'd be looking to buy the dip in Asia. And I think that's a splendid opportunity to pick up some, some pretty great value names. You know, places like China on the Hong Kong markets, uh, I think the energy stocks are well out of favour, but they've got good yields. So we'd certainly be looking there. Uh, I also think that uh, tech in Japan looks pretty good. They're very involved in semiconductors. Uh, ditto for Taiwan and South Korean markets. And across the other ASEAN markets, we'd really be looking to buy some of the food companies uh, you know, I think there's opportunities there because we are looking at a period a little bit like the 1970s where commodities are likely to be strong. So, you know, buy metals companies in places like Indonesia and, and you know, buy food companies in places like Malaysia, Thailand, uh, the Philippines, and also those that are listed in Singapore and Indonesia. And Kingsley, 2022 was a record year for gold purchases. Central banks bought close to 400 tonnes of it in the third quarter, up 340% year on year. Why was there such high demand when the industrial and mercantile usage of gold has been diminishing over time? Yeah, it's a really great question, of course, because, you know, you mentioned it's the central banks buying. It's not really investment funds at this point, although that may change. They may follow. Uh, we think that a lot of it actually has to do uh, with this uh, extraordinary uh, situation in terms of geopolitics, particularly with Russia going rogue and invading Ukraine, uh, the follow-on sanctions from countries on the Russian financial transactions, and the extent to which they've relied on gold to back their trade. And I think what's happening, therefore, is that you know a lot of countries uh, that are, frankly, in the emerging markets area, but uh, you know, very dependent on trade and commodities, are looking for gold to backstop uh, some of their uh, balance of payments uh, 
demand on foreign currency, and, and that's likely what's driving it. Obviously, you'd have to dig in a little bit further and see whether the central bank buying persists and whether the pattern of it fits what I just described, which we think is a sort of alternative to the US dollar. Uh, but the likely thing we think is happening here is the early stages of the development of a gold yuan market. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, gold is nowhere near big enough in terms of the asset base to support a general kind of uh, trade uh, currency like the US dollar. Uh, but the commodities trade is only a fraction of global trade. And that's obviously extremely important to countries like India and China. And therefore, they're likely to, to move to build gold in order to help finance their trade receipts. And they may do that in an alternate market to the US dollar. So you see denomination of commodities contracts, particularly in oil, increasingly in one, and that'll probably be backed by gold. So we don't see that confirmed yet by this behavior, but we think this is an early hint that that's where you want to start looking to analyze the situation and therefore see if it'll persist and whether we see further gold strength in investment markets as uh, you know, non-government actors start to follow. All right, thank you for your time. That was Kingsley Jones, Chief Investment Officer at Jevons Global. Talking about gold and on a year-to-date basis, hasn't done extremely well. It's actually down 2%. Current spot price is 1793 But he's saying that, hey, maybe it's time to have a look at this precious commodity. And also bond, getting back into the bond market. But mm-hmm. equities, I think, um, really didn't end on the well. The centre really, I think, fizzled out very fast. He couldn't fit down the chimney anymore. He couldn't fit down the chimney. He needs to go on a diet. I think what has happened is that there are actually there's not only one Grinch for Christmas, which is Fed Chair Powell. It's also the ECB and Bank of England because yesterday all three you know, had half-point hikes. So there are three Grinches this Christmas. Actually, somebody asked uh, this interesting uh, question on the podcast. Uh, if you had to be a central banker, which one would you choose to be? Would you be? Because all three countries that you mentioned earlier, uh, well, European Union being one block, uh, who is in the worst shape ever? Jensen? Who, who would I be? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <None>. man. <laughs> I mean, they've all got it wrong, right? Yeah. So, what do you mean they got it wrong? They just waited too late to <laughs> yeah, raise yeah, rates, yeah. right? Transitory. So <laughs> Consign that word to 2021. That's all I'd say. Bad word of the year. Bad word of the year. They all talk about all these words of the year. Transitory is definitely the word to expel, expel out. Yeah, but it's so tough being a central banker, right? <laughs> yes. I don't envy them. One of the world's hardest jobs out there. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll be covering the top stories in the newspapers and portals later on. Stay tuned for that. BFM 89.9. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CIMB Preferred. Moving forward with you. Visit cimbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.